0: And let's take our Bibles, and uh, we're going to get to Hebrews in just a moment, but I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 48 this morning. Genesis 48, it's the last weekend of October, the last weekend before time change, uh, everybody's favorite time of year. Um, it's the last week of October, and for us in Houston as of late, That means it's time for the Astros to go to the World Series. And it's also a time when uh, campaign signs line our streets and political ads fill our TV screens. We are a people that love to win and we're a people that love our independence. But one thing that uh, politicians and the Astros have in common is that when they win there will always be someone who will accuse them of cheating. Now the message this morning is not that cheaters always win or that cheaters never prosper. Rather, we will see how God loved a cheater named Jacob and changed him to be a man greatly used by God to bring blessing to the world. Jacob is a man that we remember as a man of extreme failure And also a man of faith. He deceived his father Isaac and he deceived his father-in-law Laban. He was deceived by Laban as well. And he married the wrong person without realizing what was happening to him. The mention of his name reminds us of meanness and selfishness. And of the complexity of his personality, the name Jacob means supplanter or heel grabber, deceiver. It is the extremes of this man's life and his character that startle us. And it's the inconsistencies, I think, in the lives of God's people today which often paralyze the church and hinder the work of God. It's tragic to go to God's house on Sunday and to satans on monday to sing his praises on sunday and to be mean and selfish in the home the office or in the shop on monday the selfishness of jacob is to be deplored even as it is to be condemned and crucified and reckoned dead in us romans 6 reminds us it says reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto god through Jesus Christ our Lord but in spite of all of Jacob's failings the principle of faith was at work in his life so let's read some of the story we're not going to cover the whole story of Jacob this morning but the piece that is highlighted for us in our text in Hebrews 11 let's read about that in Genesis 48 Genesis 48, picking up in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father, this is Jacob, is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh to thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. This is the place, by the way, that Jacob later renamed Bethel. The place where he spoke with God and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee, came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine, and thy issue which thou begettest after them shall be thine, it shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. Now what is he saying here? that Joseph's two sons, his two oldest sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob said, these are going to be like sons unto me. If you remember, Jacob had a big issue with two of his own sons, Reuben and Simeon. These two sons had both sinned greatly against their father. And so Jacob, in his love for Joseph, Joseph the son of Rachel, wanted to give a special blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh the two eldest sons of Joseph in a sense he was elevating them to a place of honor and giving Joseph a special honor some have asked well why didn't Joseph get a tribe named after him well Joseph didn't get one tribe named after him he got two tribes Ephraim and Manasseh in a sense Joseph was being elevated to a position of importance and blessing he was being given the birthright to the family he was being given that double portion of blessing that Jacob himself had stolen from Esau it's an interesting story and now Jacob is at the end of his life and he's giving this blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh he says in verse 7 as for me when I came from Padan Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way when yet There was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath. The same is Bethlehem. That's a pretty important town that we read much more about later in Scripture. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God also hath showed me also thy seed. And and Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. Now, why did he do this? Well, because Ephraim is the younger. and Manasseh, I'm sorry, Ephraim is the older, and, and I'm saying this wrong. Manasseh is the older, and Ephraim is the younger, so he's trying to give the older one the blessing. But as he brings him to Jacob, it says, And he blessed Joseph and said, I'm sorry, and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all the life long unto this day, the angel which, which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let my name be named on them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He shall also become a people and he shall also be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day saying in thee shall Israel bless saying God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh and he set Ephraim before Manasseh and Israel said to Joseph behold I die but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers moreover I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren which I took out of the land of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. Now let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. This is our text for this morning as we've been studying through these various uh, people that God mentions in this hall of faith. Hebrews eleven twenty-one, 21, just one verse mentioning the life of Jacob. It says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped Leaning upon the top of his staff. In mentioning Jacob in Hebrews 11, the Holy Spirit selects a small part of this man's life with which to illustrate his faith in God. It's interesting because no mention is made in this passage of all the amazing events that took place in Jacob's life. Like the stealing of his birthright in Genesis 25 or the dream and the vision of the ladder at Bethel in Genesis 28, the years in Haran working for Laban, Genesis 29, and the many trials of his life when he thought his son Joseph was dead, Genesis 27, 32 to 34. The one point upon which God focuses our attention is that of Jacob at the end of his life jacob dying blessing worshiping and leaning what a wonderful picture it is so what does it mean when it says here in hebrews eleven twenty-one, 21 by faith jacob when he was dying worshipped he worshipped it means that in his dying hour when his poor body was tired and feeble jacob adored and praised god for all that had been to him and all that had been done for him unworthy though jacob had been he still was thankful and worshiped god for the blessed prospect which the future held for him as a believer i want you to notice with me five things this morning about the worship of faith as it appears in the closing scene of Jacob's life. Would you take a moment with me and go to the Lord in prayer? Father, I'm so thankful that we can call you our Father because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You brought us from dead to life, from being lost to being found from going our way to following your way. And you've done that because of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, even this morning, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, that can't truly call you Father, (laughs) that this morning they would trust you as Savior. For those who know you today, Lord, may we be challenged that faith is and should be demonstrated through our worship of you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice with me this morning is that the worship of faith is the supreme activity of faith. It is the supreme and highest activity of faith. Worship is the highest function of the human soul. God created you and He created me to worship him in fact he created all of this creation to worship him psalm 19 and verse 1 says the heavens declare the glory of god Even the angelic beings who dwell in the presence of the Lord can do nothing greater than to worship Him. In Isaiah 6, verses 2 and 3, it says, Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory redeemed sinners in heaven thrill with delight as they worship him who alone is worthy to receive the adoration of his people in revelation 5 verse 11 and 12 john writes and he says and i beheld and i heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. The one thing which God desires more than our service, than our busyness, than all the things we run around doing, the one thing he desires more than all of those things is the love and adoration and worship of our lives and our hearts. So in this connection, it might be good to ask ourselves, why do we go to church? Do we go to meet new friends or just to enjoy the service? I hope they sing that song that I like this Sunday or even just to listen to a sermon. Do I come just to preach a sermon to you? Or do we come primarily and purposefully to worship a holy God? John 4, 23 and 24, the Bible says, But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking worshipers. And I wonder today, as He's seeking those to worship Him. He is worthy of our worship. Are you a worshiper of God? Are you somebody who, as Jesus wrote in Matthew 6 and verse 33, when He spoke there in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Are you a worshiper of God or are you a worshiper of self? One friend of mine can call your, he says it this way there are just two choices on the shelf pleasing God or pleasing self. And it's so true, we can live our lives for many things, but God has created us to be worshipers of Him. And Jacob, even in his dying hour, the scripture speaks of his faith in that he worshipped God. Now, as we look at the life of Jacob, you would say, if you know his story, that there are many instances in which Jacob sought his own way, tried to fulfill his own desires, but praise God that Jacob came to a point where he realized seeking God and worshiping him was the most important thing in his life. Oh, what a difference it would make in our lives. What a difference it would make in our churches. What a difference it would make in our nation if we who call ourselves His children would worship Him with our focus, worship Him with our money, worship Him with our time, worship Him with all that we are and all that we have. Jacob, even as he was dying, worshiped the Lord. The second thing I want you to notice about this worship of faith is how precious it is when it's present in the dying hour. The worship of faith is precious when it is present in the dying hour. Jacob at this time is 147 years old. He's lived a long, long life. He's weak, he's weary, and he's ready to leave the earthly scene for his mansion in the sky. So how was he spending his last moments here on earth? He was spending them worshiping the Lord. What a great testimony about this man's life and all the things he could have been doing. At the end, he spent his time, his last moments, worshiping God. Many times during his life, he deliberately bowed before the Lord to worship him such as at Bethel in Genesis 35. But now at the end of his earthly pilgrimage, he bowed before him into whose presence he was shortly to pass, and he worshipped him. This is how a believer, a man or a woman of faith, ought to live out their days in worship of the Lord. How beautiful to end this life while enjoying perfect blissful communion with the Lord the great preacher DL Moody as it came to the end of his life here on this earth he was able to say earth recedes heaven opens before me if this is death it is sweet there is no valley here God is calling me and I must go this is my triumphant day my coronation day On the other hand, how sad to die as an unbeliever, to come to that dreadful hour and to have no worship for Him who alone is worthy of our worship. Revelation 4.11 says it very simply, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created this morning as we think about God and our worship of Him do you understand that we are here today because God put us here today we find ourselves in the situation we're in right now because that is where God has placed us God loves to do great things through simple And unassuming people God takes weak things the scripture says and he uses them to confound the mighty God does his work through his people and what a beautiful thing what a precious thing it is in the life of Jacob to see that at the end of his life his heart his mind his worship was focused upon the Lord As you study the life of Jacob, you'll know that that was not always his focus. And you may be here this morning, and as you look at your own life, you may have to admit, my life is not really about worshiping the Lord. It's about getting what I can get, doing what I can do, trying to fulfill my dreams, my goals, and my plans. My friend, I want you to know this morning there is hope for you. Jesus loves you, and He died for your sin. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest that he speaks of is not just the rest of a good night's sleep. It's not just the rest of having all of your bills paid. It's not just the rest of knowing where your next meal is going to come from or knowing that you are healed from some physical infirmity. It is the rest of knowing that your eternal home is secure. It is the rest of knowing that no matter what takes place in this world, that God is in control, that He is on the throne. It's the rest in knowing that He will never leave us nor forsake us. It is rest, and it is good, and it is eternal rest. Jacob, at the end of his life, he worshiped God. What a beautiful thing to be able to come to the end of life. What a precious thing to still have the worship of faith present in your dying hour. I want you to notice thirdly this morning that the worship of faith is deepened by the remembrances of God's past mercies. It's deepened by the remembrances of God's past mercies. I want to draw your attention back in our text in Hebrews 11 verse 21 to the last phrase of the verse, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now you say, well, that's not very significant. He was an old man. Of course, he would have a cane or a staff or a walker of some kind. But God doesn't put words in the Bible because they are insignificant. He puts this here to help remind us of the reason why Jacob leaned upon his staff. He did this, yes he was frail and weak as an old man but there's more in it than that because when you study the life of Jacob you learn that he needed a staff long before he became an old man. Let me take you back to Genesis 32 Genesis 32 and verse 24. I'll give you a little background on the story. Jacob has deceived his father, Isaac. He's stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. He's gone away to Laban. He spent 14 years there laboring for his father-in-law, for both Leah and Rachel, his two wives. He has had many children by this point. He's also tricked his father-in-law through the way he was breeding the cattle to be able to steal a large portion of his father-in-law's flock. And there's been all kinds of problems in Jacob's life. And now he's traveling to get back to his land and away from Laban. But he knows he's about to cross over a particular river. And when he crosses over that river, he knows that his brother Esau is there waiting for him. In the meantime, Esau as well is increased in power. He now has quite a large army of people that surround him. He has his own family, and Jacob is afraid. This is the very first time that he would come face to face with the brother whom he deceived, with the brother whom he stole the blessing and the promise from. And the night before he is to cross over, Jacob has an incredible encounter with God. And it's in that point I want to bring your attention. Genesis 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And here's what Peniel means. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel, eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. Because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew, that shrank. Jacob's staff mentioned in Hebrews 11 is a clear reminder of the fact that Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life because of an encounter with God. Why would God give a man a limp? Because Jacob as a young man was dependent upon his own wit and upon his own intelligence He relied upon his own strength to get what he wanted to get. He was a man who got what he wanted through deceit and trickery. But these things left him separated from his immediate family. These things left him at odds with his father-in-law. These things got him into trouble over and over again. The night before Jacob was to meet his brother Esau, God met Jacob. And Jacob wrestled with God all night. During this encounter, God asked a really important question of Jacob. He said, what is thy name? To which Jacob answered, Jacob. Jacob. Why did God want Jacob to say his name? Because in his name was the description of who he was. A liar, a deceiver, a heel grabber, somebody who was out for himself. God wanted Jacob to recognize who he was. And it was through this encounter with God, as Jacob asked God to bless him, that God blessed him with a hurt hip and a new name. He gave him the name Israel. God changed his name to Israel. This name, Israel, means he who struggles with God or the one who is triumphant with God. That night, Jacob struggled with God and God helped Jacob to see himself for who he truly was. Jacob had to admit that he needed to depend upon the Lord. And it's interesting because in Genesis 32 here in the passage we just read, it says that he would be known no more as Jacob, but now as Israel. And then in Hebrews 11, he's referred to as Jacob. I'd like to suppose this morning that God, in his sovereign knowledge, as he inspired the author of Hebrews to write this down, wanted the name Jacob inserted again, just so there could be no doubt as to where this man came from and to what God had done in his life to change him to be a man who God would use to accomplish His plan and to bring blessing upon the world. And then the Lord left this constant reminder with Jacob that Jacob needed to depend upon the Lord. You can imagine every day as Jacob crawled out of bed and as he put his feet down upon the ground and tried to stand up in one hip, gave out a little sooner than the other, how he was reminded of where that came from, where that injury came from, and why he would carry it with him for the rest of his life. Because Jacob needed to be reminded, just like you and I need to be reminded, of our constant need of dependence upon the Lord. God may not have given you a hurt hip, or He might have. He might have given you another reminder of your need for dependence upon Him. My friends, this morning, God doesn't need to give us a sore leg to remind us of our need of dependence upon Him. He's given us His Word. He's given us the truth that teaches us how we need to live each and every day. Jacob was a changed man because he was a man who went from depending upon himself to becoming a man who depended upon the Lord. He was a changed man, even though he was weaker in his physical strength, because now he had found the one in whom he could trust for spiritual strength to overcome those things that he would face in his life. As Jacob came to the end of his life, he's worshiping the Lord, leaning upon Jesus, his staff Jacob remembered his sins he remembered his follies he remembered his mistakes he remembered his testings his fears and his doubts but all the way through God had loved him and had been gracious and merciful to him I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 103 verse 10 he hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities romans says it so clearly when it says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord what a tremendous encouragement for us today to know that god is faithful to forgive sin that god doesn't deal with us this morning according to our iniquities we know that one day judgment is coming and that every knee will bow and those who persist in their sin, who refuse to turn to Him in faith, will spend an eternity apart from Him. But God is faithful and He loves those who are lost. God, as we heard this week, is attracted to broken things and He loves to restore them and turn them into trophies for His glory. There are many people today who struggle to know who they are. They identify with different systems, beliefs, and philosophies. They look for affirmation and validation in our news media, in science, in the government, in educational systems, even from their family and friends. Many are even trying to force the church to adapt and to accept and to validate their identities. But Jacob this morning instructs us about our true identity. Because our true identity is found through the one who is our creator. Through God who made us in his image. And he made us with a purpose. Jacob had lived his life for his own purpose. But God looked down on Jacob and God loved Jacob. And God loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jacob had to learn that he was a creature that needed to bow before his Creator. He had to learn that he was a sinner who had need of a savior jacob had to learn that his physical his mental strength were not enough to be successful he needed to depend upon the all sufficient grace and mercy of god are you trying to pursue an identity apart from god a lot of people are in fact all of us are born doing that All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you'll come to Him, if you'll throw yourself upon His mercy and grace, you can be saved. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you a new name. He'll call you His child. And He will give you life. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Number four, the worship of faith is moving to behold and is eloquent in its appeal. Can you imagine what that scene must have looked like as Jacob there is, is getting up on his bed there, he's holding his staff, he's got these two grandsons coming up to him with their father asking for blessing. I cannot even begin to fathom what it must have felt like in Jacob's heart to be in that moment. Here was Jacob who had gone through all of the grief as a father of thinking he had lost his son Joseph, that Joseph had died, that he'd been killed, only to find out many, many years later that Jacob the deceiver had been deceived by his own sons. They had lied to him about his son's death. and Joseph hadn't died. He hadn't been killed by the wild animals that they claimed he had. His own brothers, Jacob's sons, had sold their own brother into slavery. Joseph had spent all these years in Egypt But as Joseph himself said it so well, you meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good. God had brought all this back together, and now Jacob is able to be with his son Joseph. In fact, he's being provided for and protected by his son Joseph there in Egypt. And so Jacob as this elderly grandfather who's gone through all kinds of grief, all kinds of sorrow, the highest highs and the lowest lows of life, he's now in this moment near death and he's with his son and his grandsons. In all of that, he's worshiping, he's leaning upon his staff, but he's blessing these sons, both the sons of Joseph. Do you think there were tears that day? Probably so. The Bible doesn't say. But we do know that this would have been a very moving and precious moment in the presence of these loved ones who were together that, humanly speaking, they never thought they would be together. Joseph, perhaps, even as he, was, as he went to Egypt, probably thought he'd never see his father again. If he had ever had children, they would never see their grandfather. And God has brought this moment back together. In this moment, we see the faith of Jacob in worshiping the Lord, of keeping his eyes on the Lord, even though he himself had a pretty bad past. He had done a lot of wicked things, but he knew... And he was trusting that God was faithful to fulfill the promises made to him. That God would bless him. He changed his name to Israel. He became the one who fathered the 12 tribes of Israel. How does God take a deceiver like Jacob and turn him into somebody that becomes this father, if you will, of a nation? He does it because he's God and he's good. You might be here this morning and you look at your life. You may have a past. It may be a really bad past. But Jacob understood that with God, even with the worst past, he still had a wonderful future. And you're here this morning with your past, whatever it may be, With the Lord, you can too have a wonderful future. What a moving moment this was with this grandfather, with his grandsons, as God brought all this together. To me, this appeals to me, it ought to appeal to every person this morning to say, I want to walk with the Lord. I want to have faith in Him. I want to worship at His feet. And then the last point I want you to see this morning. The worship of faith will soon be superseded by the worship of sight. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph in worship, leaning upon the top of his staff. Jacob's still worshiping. He's still trusting. He's still walking by faith because he knew that this life was not all that there was. He was looking forward to the day when his faith would become sight, when he would arise from this earth to be forever with the Lord. If we would be among that great company who will see him face to face and worship him in heaven, then we must worship him by faith in the dying hours and if we'd be ready to worship him in the dying hour we must be ready to worship him here and now in John chapter 20 in verse 27 Jesus appeared to his disciples another time in the upper room one major difference about this appearance from the prior appearance that Jesus had in the upper room to his disciples was the fact that there was a man present this time that wasn't there the last time. His name is Thomas. You might know him as Doubting Thomas. But this time, as Jesus appeared to his disciples, he called out to Thomas, who was there this time, and he said to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. We haven't seen yet, but someday we will. Jacob in this moment couldn't see he, he was going blind in his old age as well. And yet, he could see by faith that he was going to bless one son over the other. He could see by faith that God was still in charge. He could see by faith that God was going to accomplish his plan. He could see by faith not exactly all that would be, but he could see by faith the one who had it all in his hand. The one who holds it all in his wonderful and kind and gracious and merciful hand. Take a moment and consider how God has led you. Has he saved you? How he's protected you? How he's provided for you? This morning in just a moment we're going to finish this preaching time of the service, but our time of worship should not stop at the end of a sermon. Rather, we want to continue to worship Him, both as we respond in faith and as we leave from here to serve Him and to walk with Him each and every day. This morning, I want to invite you to come and to worship Him, to thank Him, to take time to lift up His name. In his dying hour, Jacob worshipped the Lord. Will you worship God right now? Take all of your own self and selfishness, those things that keep you distracted and tied up with all this stuff that really isn't godly. It's not helping you to live out what God has called you to do. He's given you a new name, a new identity, and that's in Jesus Christ. Will you walk in that truth? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I hear all that, but I've never trusted in Jesus Christ. He says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Won't you trust in the Lord this morning? Take whatever it is that's got you burdened down and give it back to him. Confess your sin. Confess your weakness. Ask Him for strength. You say, I don't know what to do. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask me. He says, I'll give it to you. As I, I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then I've asked that we have the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I'm going to invite you, this front area is open, if you want to come forward and pray, if you just want to kneel right there in your seat, whatever it is, would you take some time to worship the Lord? Father, help us now, not to just be hearers, but to be doers. Lord, we know that a physical demonstration isn't ultimately what you're asking for. You want our heart, our life, our purpose, and you're worthy of our worship. Lord, may we worship you now in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.